The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. So, uh, I am preaching today, which was a little bit of a surprise this week, but a very welcome one. Um, and so, just in thinking about what do I want to what do I want to share about um, John four has been a passage that's been really standing out to me a lot lately. Um, just even as uh, just doing um, the work overseas, um, just getting to be a part of that. John four is a passage also just here that that comes up a lot. It's a really helpful passage um, just in sharing with new believers and sharing with people that have been believers for a while, even in sharing with unbelievers and and talking about the themes and the elements in here and pointing them to Jesus and their need to repent and believe in the gospel. And so it's, it's a passage that I spent a lot of time in. It's a passage that I love, but it's also a passage that no matter how much I, I read it, how much I teach it, how much I talk to people about it, there's always new things that are coming out and standing out to me in it. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's great. And so uh, back in July, I was in North Africa uh, doing just a one-month trip. Um, and I was taking some high schoolers with me. And so I've shared a little bit about this. I shared about this back in August. Um, and so this is kind of a continuation of some of that sharing uh, is going to be what's in this message. Um, but yeah, I was tasked with just doing a 10-minute devotional in the morning and was thinking about it and uh, what what do I want to talk to these students about? We're talking about all these practical things. Okay, there's dirty water here. Don't drink the water. Drink clean water. That'll keep you healthy. Okay, the food isn't always going to be great. Make sure your food's hot. Uh, that'll keep you healthy. It'll keep you from getting sick. Okay, there's some people that might see you as a foreigner and think, okay, they have money. I want to I wanna pickpocket them or I want to mug them or something like that. Okay, how do we avoid and mitigate um, some of those risks? How do we be careful with those things? How do we talk in such a way that um, we aren't immediately going to get arrested as soon as we get off the plane? And so we're talking about all these practical needs, um, but really in the end, those aren't the things that are going to sustain you um, just when you're serving the Lord. Um, whether that's overseas in a hard context or even here. Um, it's not about food. It's not about water. It's not even just about your safety. Um, what's going to sustain you is, is living in the light of the truth, is, is walking in the will of God. Like We're going to see today that Jesus says, um, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Um, more than food, more than water, more than anything, what sustains us as we um, just live our lives in faithfulness to God is just doing his will, is walking according to his will and walking according to the truth that we know, um, according to the gospel, according to the character of who he is. Um, and so kind of shared that devotional and um, also talked about something else we're going to talk about today and just that God is working right now. We're not going overseas and just kind of seeing things and just being a part of something for, for a month um, in a place that sees very little fruit. We're going overseas expecting God to work, whether that's in, in the, the sowing or in the reaping. Um, 
Maybe we won't see any fruit, but God's going to be using that. God's going to be faithful with that. Or maybe we will see fruit. And it's not, um, we can't just look at things and say, okay, I've, I've shared the gospel a lot and nothing's really happened, so I don't really expect God to, to use it in the future. Um, but expecting that there is a harvest and God is working in people's hearts and he's ready to move and he wants us to join in with that. Um, so, as we get ready to dive into this passage, I want to focus on two verses. I think these two verses are really the lens that we need to read this whole passage through. I think it kind of helps us to interpret what are we supposed to be getting out of the whole passage. And so John 4, um, 34 and 35 um, is just what I want to read first um, and just kind of see what, what is happening here. And so Jesus, he says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And so the two main points I want us to get out of um, this passage today are that what sustained us, sustains us more than anything, what is most important, what our lives need to be oriented around more than anything is doing the will of God who sends us, who has shown us the truth, who has given us the gospel. Um, and secondly, we need to do that with an attitude that God is working right now. Not God's going to work in four months. Not God's going to work later down the line in a few weeks or um, he'll use me later. But God wants to use you right now and God is working right now and wants you to join in that work. Um, so in this story, uh, we're going to see the, the woman at the well. We're going to see Jesus and the disciples and, and this whole town um, and just kind of how um, everything that happens changes what people are valuing, changes what people are orienting their lives around. Because we're going to see over and over in this, in this passage, people are, are focusing on the wrong things. People are valuing the wrong things. Um, and Jesus keeps pointing back to um, things that are even more important, even more important than food, even more important than water, even more important than rest, even more important than even just outward signs of worship. Um, Jesus is continuously pointing to what is most important and what we need to value our, or orient our lives around more than anything. And so, yeah, we will go ahead and read. Uh, we're going to read basically this whole story. We are going to read this whole story. So we're going to read John 4, 3 through 42. Uh, so, yeah. He left Judah and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, as a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. What do you get that, where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah, that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say yet there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages, and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Um, Yeah, so I'm just going to pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for this story. I thank you so much uh, just for the model that you are to us and and pointing to the most important things. Pray that you would... Um, just use me to faithfully proclaim what you have to say to us here, just by your word and by your spirit, and just open our hearts to hear the truth and hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so a common element of a lot of kids' shows um, is a scene where you have someone that's just really preoccupied with something. Maybe they're just sitting on a bench eating, and maybe they're just kind of going about their business. Uh, I can think of one show in particular where There's like a mom who's just kind of going about doing her grocery shopping, just doing normal daily life things. And in the background, 
is something entirely like crazy going on that they're entirely missing because they're so focused on what they're doing. Um, whether that's just like a whole like city being built and then being torn down in the time it takes for them to like look behind them, uh, or there's like they're looking for aliens and they take a break, they're eating their sandwich, and then all these aliens go behind them and then they completely miss what's going on. Uh, it's just like a common scene uh, in in movies, and what we're going to see in this story is that's that's kind of what's going on, especially with the disciples. Um, and Jesus is kind of trying to turn their gaze and be like, hey, you're missing a lot of things that are going on because you're so focused on just these practical needs. Like the disciples are so focused on food that they're missing what, what God is doing in this story. And so, um, yeah. Uh, so when I was in North Africa... Um, and this is a story I started to tell in August, and it's a story that has thankfully continued um, and gotten even more exciting. Um, but we were sharing a lot with a man um, who had a lot to lose by believing the gospel. Um, and this is one of the stories that we shared with him a lot. Um, and at the end, just going to kind of finish with, with what happened with all of that. But in the end, he was a man um, that figured out what was valuable, who stopped looking at things that he had built his whole life around, he had oriented his whole life around, he had focused his whole life on, um, and came to know the truth of who God is, and that changed everything about how he was living and how uh, he just viewed life in general. So starting in verse um, 3, uh, we see that, okay, Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're headed to Galilee. And in verse 4, it says something kind of weird, uh, he says, he had to pass through Samaria. And so, in this time, it actually wasn't the case that the only path to, to get to another place was through Samaria. The Jews would usually just go around Samaria because they just hated the Samaritans so much, um, where they were so dirty and um, indifferent that they wouldn't go through Samaria to get where they were going. Um, so there were other paths that Jesus would have been more likely uh, or more expected to go on, but he had to pass through Samaria. So there's something going on here. Um, whether that's, okay, he had to get to this other point really quickly, which we find out later in the story, he spends two extra days there, so he didn't actually have to get anywhere quick, quickly. Uh, no, there's something for him here. There's something that God wants to do uh, through Jesus in the story. That's why he has to go through Samaria. And so he gets there and talks about Jesus is wearied. Uh, Jesus is tired from his trip. They've been, they've been walking, and the disciples, they go into the town uh, to go and get food, to go and get um, just some provisions and just things that they need. And Jesus, is, he's hanging out at this well. He's, he's tired, he's resting, he needs rest, um, but that isn't his highest priority, as we're going to see. Because this woman, she comes up to the well, and instead of Jesus just kind of ignoring her and just continuing to rest, uh, he starts a conversation with her, um, and he says, hey, like, give me a drink. And this woman, she's just entirely shocked that Jesus is talking to her because of all these cultural barriers between the Samaritans um, uh, and the Jews. Um, and so uh, she, she doesn't even, like, know what to do because Jesus is talking to her. It's so out of the, out of the ordinary. Um, and Jesus, he's, um, yeah, he, he continues to talk to her and says, hey, like, if you knew uh, the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He's saying, hey, 
This conversation that we're about to have is a lot more important than the cultural barrier uh, that you're seeing between us. Um, I, don't, I don't care about that because there's something you need to know. Um, there's something you need to see in this, in this conversation we're about to have. Um, it's far more important for you to know who I am than for us to worry about these cultural barriers that we have between us. Um, and so it goes on, and, and this woman, she's kind of skeptical, and she doesn't really know what Jesus is talking about. And uh, she's saying, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Um, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And so this woman's looking at Jesus, and she's like, okay, you don't even have anything to draw water, so I have no idea where you're going to get this living water. Um, and she's also like, this well is really important. Um, water is really important. This, this well was, was dug by our ancestor Jacob. This well is the reason that this whole city is here, why, why people can live here, why people can um, survive in this place, is because they have this water source. Like the lifeblood of this entire town is this well. And you're trying to tell me that there's something more important than that water? Um, no, like this is probably the single most important part of our city. Um, and so she's really skeptical of, of what Jesus is talking about here. Um, and so Jesus responds to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so Jesus, he continues to talk about this living water. Uh, he's saying, actually, no, this well, like, you're going to get thirsty again. You're going to have to keep coming to this well. Um, but the water I'm talking about, uh, not only are you not going to be thirsty again, but it's going to become in you just water uh, springing up into eternal life. So he's, he's actually getting towards eternal life and... Uh, the woman starts to see, okay, like this water you're talking about, that sounds pretty good. And so she asks him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And so what is, what is the living water that Jesus is talking about in this passage? I think just as um, yeah, people familiar with the Bible, we can kind of guess at some things. He's obviously talking about things going towards eternal life. He's talking about um, maybe just like the, the sustenance that he gives, the, the satisfaction that we have in him. Um, but actually, if we just turn to John 7, 37, uh, John comes right out and says what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about living water. Um, and so it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So thank you, John, for just coming right out and saying that later in this book. Um, but the living water he's talking about is the Spirit. Um, and he's talking about the Spirit coming through belief. Um, so again, we see the elements of eternal life that Jesus is talking about, all of that, all of what Jesus is, is hinting at and getting to is belief in him um, and receiving the Spirit and that being living water that, that sustains us and gives us life um, far more than any normal earthly water, far more than this well built by Jacob could do. And we already have seen earlier in John, 
if we just look at chapter 3, the, the theme of eternal life is something that's coming up a few times. All of us are familiar with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, but even uh, John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And so Jesus, he knows this woman needs to believe in him, needs to know who he is. Um, and that's a large part of the point of this whole conversation is he wants her to see that uh, in the same way that all of us need to see that. We need to come to the truth. We need to know who Jesus is, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that he's come down. He lived a, a perfect life on earth. Uh, he, he taught many great things. He did many miracles. But ultimately, Jesus, he came down to die on the cross for our sins, to pay that penalty to take that on himself, the penalty that we deserve, death. Um, without the shedding of blood there, blood, there is no remittance of sins. But Jesus, he, he defeated sin and death. He rose again on the third day. He proved he had power over sin and death. Um, and he returned, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he poured out his Spirit on us. He gave us living water um, after he ascended. He gave us the Spirit. And so these are all the things that are kind of I think going around in Jesus' head, these are all the things he wants to communicate to this woman, and these are all the things that are caught up in him just trying to talk to her about living water and trying to point her away from what her task of the day, like what, what is she trying to do right now? She's trying to get water. And that's one of the most important things that the, the people in this town have to do. But he's saying, more important than that is this living water I'm talking about. And you need to, you need to focus on that, and you need to understand what I'm talking about. And so... Um, the woman says, yes, sir, give me, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And so Jesus, he says to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answers him, I, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, yeah, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so the woman hears these things. Uh, she's probably pretty humbled by this. Uh, but also recognizes Jesus has no way he could he could know this about me. Um, and so she realizes something, that there's something very spiritual going on. There's something like God is God is doing something in the situation. And so she just arrives at, okay, you must you must be a prophet. Um, and this conversation, we're we're not actually talking about water. We're talking about spiritual things. Um, and so then she gets on to this question that she's had. Like you, you Jews, you worship on in Jerusalem, and we Samaritans, we we worship on this mountain. Uh, how do we worship God? And so, um, yeah, even just in this, we see that Jesus, he knows all this about this woman. He doesn't uh, look at this woman and say, okay, like she's one of, probably one of the most sinful people in this whole town. Maybe she's not the one I want to talk to to get this town to believe, but that's not how Jesus thinks. He, he sees this opportunity in front of him. He had to come to, uh, through Samaria, um, and it was so that he could talk to this woman. Um, and so, yeah, she drives the conversation. She's like, okay, we're talking about spiritual things. What's important with spiritual things? Worshiping God. Um, but she's talking about the outward acts of worshiping God. She's talking about the place. She's talking about what do we do um, when we worship God. And Jesus, again, um, is going to communicate that she's, she's focusing on the wrong things um, here. She says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. 
But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so Jesus, he, he doesn't say, okay, like, yeah, the Jews, we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, like at the temple, that's, that's where you need to go. But he's saying, yeah, it really isn't about the temple. It's not about where. Um, even he's talking about living water. He's talking about the spirit. And we know that later on we find that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the curtain is torn by him, that Jerusalem no longer will be the place to worship God, but we'll have his spirit. We'll have, um, yeah, just direct communion with him. And so he's saying, like, I'm here, and now uh, more truth of who God is is being revealed because you're able to see me. The mystery of the gospel is being revealed to you, like right now in this conversation, is being revealed to the world um, in my presence. And so it's not about where we worship, but it's about the attitude of our worship. We worship God in spirit and in truth. The spirit coming from the living water, coming from belief in him, and in truth, in knowing who God truly is and worshiping him as he truly is. <clears throat> and so again, reorienting, she's, she's thinking about worshiping God and she's thinking about the acts of it, the place of it. Um, where do we do it? <clears throat> what are the acts that we do alongside it? And Jesus is saying, no, like those things aren't actually uh, the root of worship. The root of worship is knowing God and worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Um, even just in our Sunday school class this morning, we were talking about how the Jews thought that worshiping God was so tied down um, to the temple. And so when they were exiled, they were so worried, okay, like, how could God possibly be with us because we can't worship him in the temple? Um, and even talking about how God, um, just in the tabernacle and even before the tabernacle, God was present with his people um, as they traveled, as they uh, went to different places from, from Abraham all the way um, all the way through, um, just worship of God and God's presence isn't tied to a place. Like God's presence isn't tied to this church, to this church building. Um, this isn't where God dwells in a special way, but it's special because we, the people of God, the people that know God, the people that have God's spirit in us, are gathering together uh, to know him more, to, to hear from him, to um, encourage and exhort one another. And so Jesus is, is getting at all of these things and he's talking about most importantly, we worship God in spirit and in truth. Um, it's not the outward signs of worship. It's not what the outward acts of worship. It's, it's what comes from the heart. Um, and so this woman, uh, she, she says to him, I know the, that the Messiah is coming, and he is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So she's finally arrived at what Jesus is driving at in this conversation. She's like, Hey, like I'm I'm excited for the Messiah to come because even like like along with these things you're talking about, like the Messiah is going to come and he's going to explain all these things to us and we're gonna we're gonna understand. And then she realizes that the person she's talking to is that very Messiah that she's um, she's waited for and she's longed for and she's uh, looked forward to, even even not as a Jew, as a Samaritan. Um, and so she finally has arrived at what what is important. What is what is Jesus getting at? We're not, we're not talking about uh, water. For Jesus, he, wasn't, he didn't care that he wanted to rest. He cared about this conversation. He didn't, uh, the cultural barrier wasn't more important than sharing this truth. Um, and 
even just elements of outward acts of worship weren't more important than this truth that Jesus is the Messiah um, and that we worship God in spirit and in truth. And so she realizes this, and at that moment is when the disciples come back. And so the disciples, they've, they've missed this whole lesson that Jesus has just given to this woman of what's valuable. Um, and so uh, she, uh, so they're, they're surprised, like, okay, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. That's weird. Something must have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Like, he must be starving right now, or he must be, like, about to keel over from dehydration. Like, he's had to talk to the Samaritan woman to get the things that he needs. Again, thinking about practical needs. So they don't say anything. And so the one leaves her water jar. Okay, the whole reason that she came up here, the whole like primary task, the focus of the day, I need to get water. Water is important. She's left that entirely behind because she's found something better. Um, and she's found something else that's more important to orient her life around. Her life right now is not oriented around getting water. Her life is oriented around Shoot, I just, I just met the Messiah. That's crazy, and I need to go tell everyone in this town what, what has just happened. And so that's exactly what she does. She leaves her water jar, and she goes into the town and says to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So again, this is a woman who has had five husbands. The one she's living with now isn't her husband. Um, pretty taboo. Um, and she's, again, not concerned. Okay, my reputation in this village probably isn't very great. If I go run in there and just start yelling at people like, hey, I've, I found the Messiah, maybe they're not going to trust me, or maybe like that's not really, I don't really have like a place in society here to like speak to these things. No, she doesn't care. She, she just goes and she tells uh, because she has found the Messiah, and everybody needs to hear the Messiah is, is literally like right over there. Um, and so... Yeah, she goes and she's doing that and people start to make their way to Jesus. And so kind of parallel to this are the disciples who, again, they haven't, haven't learned this lesson yet. They're the ones sitting on the park bench eating their sandwich while like all this craziness is going on behind them. Um, and so his disciples are urging him like, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so the disciples are like, okay. And so... Again, they're, they're focused on practical needs, but they're like, so the disciples said to one another, has he, anyone brought him something to eat? Um, and so they're still trying to figure out, okay, Jesus, most important thing right now, he's hungry, he needs to eat food. Why isn't he eating food? Like, Jesus, eat something. Jesus, why aren't you eating? Jesus, we brought you food. Eat it. Like, this is what you need. This is the most important thing to you right now, is food. You need to nourish yourself. You're tired from the journey. Eat some food. And so then Jesus, uh, we get to kind of the, the interpretive verses of this whole passage, and Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples a lesson here. He's like, I don't need this food to nourish me. This food isn't the most important thing in my life. This food isn't what uh, my life is oriented around. If I, if I cared so much about my practical needs, I probably would have made sure that woman actually gave me something to drink instead of just talking to her and her leaving her water jar. Or I would have just rested and not talked to her. Or when you came, I would have immediately just taken the food from you. But I'm, I'm not focused on that right now because you guys are missing everything that's happening right behind you. 
Um, and he's talking about God is at work right now. There's not four more months, then comes the harvest. Look, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And so we already know that the woman, she's gone into this town. She's tell, told people, okay, like, I think I found the Messiah. Like, you should, you should come see him. Um, and we know they're making their way to Jesus. And so I think it's a pretty, pretty practical uh, picture we can have of people in that town are starting to make their way up to where Jesus is, up to the well. Um, and like Jesus, like I kind of imagine like he's like talking to his disciples, his disciples are standing here, and like right behind them is like this whole like crowd of people like starting to come up to him. Um, and he's like, hey, like you have no idea what God is doing right now and what I'm focused on because you're so focused on this food. Um, and so... Yeah, just teaching them a lesson through that. But I think he's literally telling them, look, lift up your eyes. Like, no, with your real eyes, like, look, there's people coming right now. Uh, God is doing something right now that's far more important than this food that you guys are so so worked up about. Um, and so then he goes on and says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. And so in this short 15-minute conversation this, that Jesus has had with this woman at the well, um, all of these things are happening. They, she's, she's realized that he's the Messiah. She's gone into the city. She's told everyone her life is entirely reoriented, and all these people are making their way to him. Um, and Jesus is also teaching his disciples a lesson um, of hey, like God's already been at work here, God's planned this, and even right back down to the intentionality of verse 4, like Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Um, this has all been planned. And even this woman, um, she knew about the Messiah. Not really sure what she knew about the Messiah, but she had this expectation that the Messiah was coming, um, whether that was through um, just some knowledge of, uh, of the scriptures, whether that was through just people that, that knew God in her city. Uh, not really clear, but God had prepared her heart because he had begun, he had prepared her to meet the Messiah um, and that, with that expectation. Um, and so uh, he's teaching his disciples this lesson. His disciples are getting a very clear picture of what he's talking about <clears throat> because all these people come up to him. Um, and so many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And so from this short conversation with this woman, all these people, they believe her. Uh, they come up and they say, Okay, like you've told this woman all she ever did, you must be the Messiah. And they spend the two days with Jesus, and they're like, okay, we know for sure, not just because of what this woman has told us, but because we've met you for ourselves. You are the Messiah. They, they know the truth of who he is, um, and they, they come to see him, to know him through that. And so all throughout this story are people yeah, focused on the wrong thing. The woman keeps trying to focus on the wrong thing, and Jesus keeps kind of directing her towards no, we're, we're getting at something a lot deeper uh, than water here. Um, again, Jesus, 
He doesn't care about cultural barriers. He doesn't care about traveling through Samaria. He doesn't care about talking to the Samaritan woman because he's talking about something so much more important um, than any cultural barrier. Uh, he's not worried about rest, not worried about being tired or being thirsty. He's worried about this woman and, and her knowing who he is and just walking in, in the will of God and, and what he's doing in this place, the work that he's doing in this place that he's called Jesus to be a part of. Um, he's not, um, not focused uh, on just water and just what sustains people physically. Um, he's more, more worried about living water, more worried about the Spirit and belief in Him and eternal life and the, just the things of God and knowing Him and knowing the truth of who He is. Um, he's not worried about outward signs of obedience, not worried about, or not worried about outward signs of, of worship, where we worship, the, the rituals, the things that we do in worship, but he's worried about the attitude of worship. We worship God in spirit and in truth. We worship God through what he's given us um, in the living water and through uh, belief uh, in him. Now, his disciples, they come and they're worried about food, just worried about food. That's all they can think about. Um, but God is working so strongly, so mightily in this village, and there's people coming, ready to hear who Jesus is, ready to, to meet the Messiah, um, and his disciples um, come to see, okay, uh, maybe food isn't the most important thing, but doing the will of God who sends us and, and accomplishing his work. Um, we're not living our lives um, just expecting things to happen later, but God is working right now. And so uh, I started to share this story with you. I'll go ahead and share. Uh, I started to share this story with you back in August. Uh, I'll go ahead and share uh, a lot of it over again. It's a pretty exciting story in general. Uh, and then kind of get into some of the new things that have happened. But uh, so I was in North Africa. We were just in a weird part of the city. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of money, so we were just staying pretty far away from where any tourists ever stayed. And so we go into this random restaurant where we're wanting to get some sandwiches. Um, <clears throat> and so we're in here, and uh, very few people in this country speak English. And so we're trying to order in French. It's not going very well. And then our waiter's like, hey, I speak English. And we're like, that's great. We, we appreciate that. And so we order, and he actually just pulls up a chair, and he's, he's sitting there, and he's talking to us. And he's really just starting to share a lot about his, his life, and we're just having a good conversation and um, kind of trying to draw, drive the conversation to spiritual things. We say, hey, like, are you a Muslim? And he's like, well, yeah kind of, but like for people like me, we can't really be Muslims. Um, and so we kind of ask him a few questions about that. He's kind of hesitant. And as we continue to talk to him, he continues to open up. And finally, he's just like, yeah, people with like my sexual orientation can't really be Muslims. So we're like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and so, uh, but something incredible is that the, the high schooler that's with me was, is someone that had struggled with that um, had struggled with bisexuality and, and those desires and had overcome them through the Spirit. Um, and so he's able to share his testimony uh, with this guy um, and just open up a huge door to just sharing the gospel with him. And so after that, <clears throat> we're like, hey, we got we to gotta meet again because his manager starts yelling at him and be like, hey, you've been sitting with these guys for like 20 minutes. You actually have a job, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. And so... He gets up, and he's not able to talk to us uh, for the rest of the time. 
And so we're like, hey, uh, we got his number. Hey, let's hang out. When are you free? He's like, well, I work seven days a week for 10 hours a day, so never. And we're like, all right, that, that isn't going to work. But he's like, I really want to meet with you guys. We'll make it happen. Um, so the next week, he kind of switches the shift, just works earlier in the morning, and then hangs out with us in the evening. And we're just able to, to share with him for like two and a half hours, just proclaiming the truth, talking about, um, yeah, talking about like sacrifices and um, just kind of started with Adam and Eve talking about, okay, like their sin, their, their one sin, they, they ate this apple they weren't supposed to eat. Um, and the penalty for that was, was death. Um, but their, their sin, their, their shame, their, their nakedness was covered by God because he kills the lamb and clothes them um, with the lamb. And so kind of tracing this theme of, of sacrifice throughout the Bible and coming to Jesus, um, that <clears throat> John the Baptist, he, he testified about Jesus. Um, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, and if you ask anyone in that country, like, what do you do with a lamb? They'll usually just take their two fingers and go, and it's really kind of amazing that most of them just kind of do that because they're not going to say, like, uh, yeah, they, they slaughter it. Like, it's a sacrifice. Um, it was also around the time of the Muslim festival of sacrifice um, when they kill all these lambs and all these cows. Um, and so we're talking to him about that, and he's like, oh, like, Jesus was like a sacrifice? Um, and so we, we're sharing with him. We talk about how Jesus, yeah, he came down. He was the perfect sacrifice. He, was, he had no sin. He didn't deserve death, so he was able to take death um, for us to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose again, proving he had power over sin and death. And so he's following all of these things, and yeah, he's, he's amazed at these things. And he, he just says to us, like, wow, you, like, you don't know this, but I don't believe in coincidences at all. I think God's in control of everything. So I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm sitting here talking to you guys right now. Like, I actually know for a fact, like, you, God sent you two to, to talk to me, to tell me these things. We're like, yeah, you're right, he did. Um, and so uh, he also talks about, hey, uh, the, the, one of my professors, he taught me the truth is always free. Uh, if it's a lie, they make you pay for it, but the truth, it's free. And this gospel you're telling me, this good news, like it's, it's free. Um, and so he's, he's seeing these things, he's understanding. Uh, but for him, uh, even though he, he sees these things and he knows that God sent us to him, that this is the truth, he isn't repenting and believing. Why isn't he repenting and believing? Because it's going to cost him everything in his society. Um, his family finds out, like, he'll probably be disowned. Um, just in general, his life will be a lot harder if he believes these things. The things he values, his, he's getting an education so he can get a good job. Um, that could be um, compromised if um, he believes these things. His friends that he has, uh, they might disown him if they find out that he believes these things. He has a lot to lose. Um, and so we continue to meet with him. We meet with him pretty regularly. He actually like quits his job just because he's like, I'm tired of not being able to meet with you guys. Let's meet and talk about these things. Uh, and so, yeah, so we're, we're meeting with him. We're talking through a lot of passages. We talk about John 4. We talk about the living water. We talk about um, worshiping God in spirit and truth because he kept, he kept talking about, hey, like, 
So we, we have Mecca, like Muslims, we have Mecca. We go and we worship God in Mecca, and that's special. And the Jews, they have Jerusalem, they worship God in Jerusalem, and that's special. So the Christians, like, where do you guys, where do you guys go to worship God? And we're like, point out this passage and say, like, it's not about where we worship God. We just have to worship God in spirit and in truth. God isn't concerned about the place, but he's concerned about us gathering together and worshiping him um, wherever that is. And we can do that fully wherever we are. We can call out to him. We can pray to him wherever we are. We don't have to go through these motions and these acts of prayer. We can just call out to our father because uh, he is our father and he wants to hear us like a father wants to hear us. And we talk about other passages. We talk about, <clears throat> yeah, we talk about uh, the treasure of greatest value. The, the farmer who, uh, or the man who sees this treasure in a field that's worth just infinitely more than everything. Uh, and so he sells everything he has, all of his possessions, just so he can buy that field and have that treasure. Like that treasure was worth him sacrificing everything in his life that he valued, all of his um, all of his things, all these things that he probably valued pretty highly before because of the value of this treasure that he see, saw in this field. And uh, this guy was, he loved that story. He always brought it back up. Um, and that was the tension that he was feeling. Is it worth it? Like, is Jesus worth it? Is this truth worth sacrificing everything in my life for? Is it worth reorienting everything in my life around um, and giving up all these things that I think or maybe I thought are valuable. And finally, uh, one day we're, we're sitting, we're talking to him. Um, we're just kind of in our apartment, just reading different passages. He loved to read the word. He would, we would open up to passages. We'd talk about like a verse and then he would just go ahead and just start reading the whole chapter and basically be exegeting it to us, like reading it verse by verse in Derisia, uh, in the, the language. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like telling us what it meant in English. So like translating it into English with like his interpretation of what's going on uh, and like understanding like the things that, that God is trying to teach him through his word, even before he's believed. Like the spirit is so obviously like working in him. Um, and so we were there, we were just kind of reading through some passages, talking through some things and um, kind of talking about how, hey, like if you just keep looking at the word of God, like read this word, like we'd given him an app that had the Bible in his language um, like, God's going to reveal things to you. Like, again, kind of thinking, okay, like, in the future, I think God's obviously working on this man, but he just might not be ready right now. Uh, thinking, okay, God's, God's going to work in the future. God's going to work in, in four months. Four months, then will come the harvest. Uh, but God was working right then and right there. Um, and so we, we went to a passage, and we were just talking about, okay, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, separate soul and spirit, joint and marrow, uh, just trying to get at, okay, like God's word is going to change you and God's word is powerful. And he starts reading this whole passage and it's in Hebrews 3 or maybe 4. And it's talking about Israel, like knowing the truth, but hardening their hearts to the truth. And that just hit him. And he's like, guys, like I'm being disobedient to God right now. Um, he had talked to us before. He's like, if I died right now and I went before God in judgment, uh, I would have nothing to say when he said like, why didn't you believe in me? Like, I sent Aaron and I sent Eli to you to tell you the truth. Uh, why didn't you believe? Um, he's like, I'll have no excuse and I'll deserve every bit of punishment that he gives me. Um, and so in this moment, he's like, I'm being just entirely disobedient to God. I have not made him Lord of my life. I haven't, I haven't repented and believed in him, even though I know the truth. He's like, 
I'm going to think really hard of, of the right words to say. And then maybe like tonight or maybe tomorrow, I'm going to call out to God and, and trust in him. And we're like, hey, like, that's, that's great, but you can also do that right now. Uh, again, it's not about the right words. Like, God is your father. He just wants to hear you like a child. Um, as a child, we don't, like, choose, like, the exact words we want to say to our father, but our father, like, cares for us and wants to hear what we have to say in the same way that we don't have to go to some special place to worship God. We can do it wherever we are, like, right now. And so he thinks really hard for, like, 10 or 15 seconds, and he's like, okay, I, I accept this. I believe this. This is the truth. This is what... Um, this is what I'm going to base my life around. I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life, and I know it's going to cost me so much. Um, but this living water that you're talking about, this, this belief is, is worth everything. And so he, um, yeah, he prays. Um, man that's never prayed to the, to the living God before, um, who's never prayed without doing all these motions and all these things alongside it, prays to God and um, does some of it in English, and it's uh, incredible, and does some of it in his local language, and um, yeah, just a super special time of, of hearing this man for the first time, crying out to the living God, and confessing his sin, repenting, and, and believing in him, turning, um, and following him, making him Lord, saying he's the most important thing in his life, and after that, he says, what's next? Like, what do I do now? And we're like, hey, like, the Bible says, repent, and believe, and be baptized, and we talked a little bit about baptism, uh, just because we had talked about the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, he's like, yeah, I want to be baptized. And we're like, when do you want to be baptized? Like, tomorrow. We're like, great. Uh, and so we go to a beach the next day and talk about uh, baptism deeper, talk about Romans uh, 6, I think, of just that it's us dying to ourselves and rising again in Jesus, dying to our flesh and rising again to new life in him. Um, that word changed. It's an outward sign of what has just happened in his heart when he turned and believed in Jesus. And so, yeah, uh, another thing that he said uh, immediately after he believed is he's like, you know, like, we had one, like, small conversation. But through that one small conversation, through, like, a really short amount of time we've had together, I think this whole city is going to be changed. Um, just like that woman at the well. Like, she had one small conversation with Jesus, and the whole town, like, came to know him. The whole town was changed because of it. And I want that to happen in my city. Um, and we were pretty pumped up about that. And yeah, so I've been getting WhatsApp messages for the last month and a half, gotten like three from him. And every time he's like, hey, brother, there are new brothers in my city. Uh, there are uh, more people that are believing that we're able to gather um, that are coming to know the truth. Like our family is growing. Um, and it's just so exciting to hear. And um, it's a place that there hadn't really been any fruit for a very long time. There were a few like in the single digits, believers that have just been there for a while, um, but nothing's really been happening. <clears throat> but he has been being faithful to, to share the truth with people um, and just kind of being a part of, yeah, proclaiming the truth in this place. And God's being faithful. He's prepared hearts to hear it. Um, and so he's, he said that. And then another time he said, yeah, there's many more brothers. Like this whole family has believed over here. <clears throat> and we're, we're like about to baptize them today. Um, and then he sent me a video a few days ago of, like, the children of a believing couple that had just believed being baptized. Um, and he's just so excited. And he's like, brother, like, in 15, 20 years, this will no longer be a Muslim nation. This will be a Christian nation. Like, <laughs> I know it is true. 
Uh, and he, he means it, like he's confident, like he's seeing God working, and he's like, okay, God is working. Like, I'm not thinking, okay, down the line, God's going to do something in this country. Like, right in front of me, like his whole time as a believer, he's been seeing like believers, uh, like people coming to believe. He sees God's working, and like he just knows, probably even more than a lot of us, like God is just working, God is doing these things. Um, I hope that's an encouragement to us. Like God is working right now. Um, it's not down the line, four more months, like I can be a part of, of doing things to serve God, to glorify God, but God is working right now, and he wants us to be a part of it right now. Um, he wants us to look up. He wants us to stop looking at the sandwich in front of us and see everything that he's doing behind us and join him in that. Not be so focused on our practical needs, not be so focused on rest and, and drinking water and eating food and um, even just the outward signs of worship, um, but he wants us to focus on worshiping him in spirit and in truth and recognizing that doing the will of God is what sustains us, is what our food is, and being a part of his work. And he wants to call us into that. And it's not something he wants to call us into in a few weeks or in a few months. It's something he wants to call us into each and every day, like right now. The harvest is ripe right now, and he is working. Uh, the shortage, the shortage isn't in the harvest. Like there's a harvest. The shortage is in the laborers and in people working in the harvest. Like that idea of Luke 10, 2, that um, pray to the Lord of the harvest that more laborers will, will go out um, because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so what, what does that look like practically for us? Like we have the example of this woman in the story who is focused on all these other things, but realizes, okay, Jesus is the Messiah. That's the most important thing. And I'm going to live according to that. I'm going to go and tell people. I'm going to forget everything I'm doing because drinking water and eating food and all these cultural boundaries aren't the most important thing anymore because I found the most important things. I found the source of living water. And then you have his disciples who are focused on food, and then they get this lesson from God, and they see all these people coming to God, and they're like, okay, we missed what God was doing because we were just focused on food. Um, and this guy that I just told you about um, in North Africa he, he wrestled with, okay, there's all these things that I value, but you're telling me I need to give them up and value this other thing, um, and struggling, is it worth it? And, and realizing that, that Jesus is the treasure of greatest worth, that Jesus, that living water is so much more than anything he could get from anything he values, just in a worldly sense. Um, and so the question for us today is, what are we valuing? Like, what are we orienting our lives around? Are we orienting it around, more around like the next meal we're going to have, the next time we're going to have a day off and rest? Or are we orienting it more around doing the will of God, who, who wants to send us, who wants us to be a part of his work, and seeing him and knowing that he's working right now? Um, are we focused on, yeah, serving each other as a church? Are we focused on encouraging and exhorting one another and, and finding ways that we can serve? Are we focused on just the unbelievers that are around us, whether that's at work or just as we're going about our lives, are we being sensitive to the Spirit? Are we willing and ready to share the gospel with people that we come into contact with? Are we, um, are we in the Word? Are we reading the Word? Are we praying? Are we uh, drawing near to God and, and just being ready for the things that He has to teach us? Like, are those the things that are orienting, that we orient our lives around more than even the meals that we eat? Are those the things that are more consistent in our life than even eating and drinking? Um, and the point isn't like, stop eating, stop drinking. Uh, those are things that uh, 
we're called to in the Bible, like even rest is something that we're called to in the Bible. Those are important, but they're not the most important. Um, and so the marks of our life need to be built around knowing the, the provider of living water, the one who has saved us, the, the gospel that we have believed and knowing the one true God is the, the thing that we need to orbit our lives around, the thing that we need to focus on and live according to. And so, yeah, just I want us to take away that what are you valuing? Like what is your life built around? What does it need to be built around? Um, and are you actively believing that God is working right now? And I'm just going to close in prayer. Dear God, I just thank you so much uh, for this time. Uh, just to open your word together. I thank you so much for the example that you've given us in, in yourself, um, the example you've given us in just this, this woman at the well who um, in this conversation, in this short conversation, came to know who you are, um, came to believe in you, um, and the whole town was changed because of it. Or my friend in North Africa who, um, yeah, surrendered everything that he valued in his life to follow you and is being faithful to to proclaim your truth to those around him who is being sustained by you far more from your word um, than any food or, or water that he's drinking. <clears throat> God, I pray that you would continue to use him, continue to use the, the new believers in that place, um, that they would continue to be faithful um, to you, continue to be faithful to share that you would prepare the hearts of so many more in that town and just in that country as a whole to, to believe in you. I pray that his words um, would be true, that in 15 or 20 years or even in the next few years, or even right now, that you would work in such a way that that um, nation would be identified more um, with people that know you and know your glory um, than follow just the, the false, falseness of Islam. Um, God, we know you can do that. We know you are doing that right now. Um, help us to just live our lives um, sensitive to you, sensitive to what you're doing, that um, it's a, it's a high calling, God, and it's something we can't do in our own strength. It's something we can only do through the spirit that you've given us. Um, and it's something we're going to strive after for the rest of our lives. But Lord, um, starting with today and going on from there, I pray that we would be sensitive to the things that you're doing and just be a part of the ways that you're working. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.